investing in property makes sense. Investing in the right property takes knowledge. Welcome to the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. I'm Jared McCabe, Director of Wakeland Property Advisory. Join me for expert insights into the fundamentals, trends and opportunities to help you create long-term wealth through smart property decisions. Hi everyone and welcome to episode 29 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. So I thought today we might, um, we've had some pretty intense topics over the last few weeks. We might take a bit more of a lighthearted look um, at the real estate industry and some of the terminology that's used. Obviously, there's um, the, the terminology in real estate can become quite second nature for those of us who are in the business on a daily basis. Um, but it is obviously helpful for, for those that aren't necessarily transacting on a daily basis to, um, to expand on that so that you can get a bit of an understanding as to what some of the meanings actually are. And I thought I'd also um, today, rather than going through a case study, we'd look at some the actual meaning of some of the uh, real estate agent sayings that are around to uh, to put things into a bit more context. So we'll go through some um, some real estate phrases now in alphabetical order, uh, and then at the end I'll um, go towards the uh, the real estate agent sayings. So first one is um, is bridging finance, which um, is quite common, and, and particularly when um, a purchase person is looking to buy and sell um, within a reasonable period of time. So it, it's typically a short-term loan that's taken out to to bridge the gap between a longer-term loan that will be taken in the future. Um, and as I said, it's usually associated when um, a person is looking to buy and sell at the same time, and there might be a little bit of a gap between when the settlement period is, or sorry, the settlement date is on each of those two transactions. Um, another one is a caveat. Now, it's typically a notice that's registered on a certificate of title um, so that certain actions with the property cannot be taken without informing the party that, that put the notice onto the title. And it's usually um, quite often associated with family law. Um, sometimes a caveat can be registered on a title, particularly with a significant purchase, just to make sure that nothing can happen, no mortgages and things can be d- taken out on that property uh, unless the, the, the person that's put the caveat on is notified about it. Another good one is, um, well, not a good one, but is uh, that's that's very relevant is capital gains tax. Um, now, tax is paid in this instance on any profit that's made on a property that is not your principal place of residence. So for instance, investment properties, uh, offices, holiday homes, that sort of thing. You don't pay capital gains tax on your principal place of residence. Um, and it's, it's calculated on 50% of the profit that's been made, and then it's uh, dependent upon your income tax and what bracket that you sit in. Uh, a conveyancer, which is uh, obviously a licensed professional overseas, the legal transfer of a property from a, a vendor to a buyer. Um, it's quite often a solicitor, but doesn't have to be. Uh, quite often there's uh, members of staff at um, solicitor offices that will carry out the, the bulk of the um, conveyancing work, but there's also just purely conveyancing offices, uh, companies that, that do that type of work as well. A cooling off period, well, this is um, three business day period that... Um, occurs after the signing of a contract of sale where a buyer can withdraw from the property contract without any legal repercussions. In Victoria, um, there's usually a cost incurred and that's, I believe it's $100 or 0.2% of the purchase price, whichever is greater. Not many transactions these days, it would be $100 as the uh, being greater than 0.2% of the purchase price. Now, a buyer is typically entitled to a cooling off period if they are um, buying via private sale. However, if you purchase at auction, um, you will not be entitled to the cooling off period. And also, if you purchase a property that is due to go to auction and you purchase that property within three days before or after the auction date, you again won't be entitled to a cooling off period. 
Disbursements, this is something that you might have heard about or seen, um, particularly around uh, legal fees when you're paying your conveyancing costs. And it's typically a, a payment of money that's made by a third party. So obviously, quite often that is a solicitor who might have perhaps done a, a title search um, and that will cost money. So that the cost of, of doing that title search is known as a disbursement and that would be passed on to the, um, the vendor or the buyer depending upon who's um, had the title search done on their behalf. Equity, well, that's the difference in the value of the property versus the debt owed on a mortgage. Um, pretty straightforward. Um, in terms of, uh, the next one is EOI, which you quite often see um, as a method of sale, and it's referred to, or it's shortened for uh, expression of interest. Now, this is a method of sale, typically of private sale rather than an auction, and it usually includes a set date. So sometimes it can be f referred to as a sale by set date. An expression of interest typically means, and there'll be different agencies will, will handle them differently. Sometimes that expression of interest will be on a contract of sale. Other times there'll be a specific um, form that you will need to complete. Other times an agent might just say, look, just send me an email with the details of your offer by the date that we require it. Um, and then the, uh, the vendor will then make a decision. Um, it, that offer quite often won't be the final. Quite often you'll get um, second or third uh, options to, um, to increase your offer. However, um, very advisable to get clarity around that before you get to that um, conclusion date, just so that you know um, what is likely to happen. A guarantor. So a guarantor is a person who agrees to pay a borrower's debt if they default on their obligations. Quite um, quite often, say when uh, parents are helping children to uh, enter the property market, they may go guarantor on their loan in order to ensure that they're able to borrow a little bit more money, uh, and the bank needs to the the surety that um, that that loan will be covered if um, if there's a default on that mortgage. Um, another one that, that comes into play uh, around this, um, particularly around borrowing, is lender's mortgage insurance, um, or LMI. So this is typically insurance that's taken out by the bank to insure itself against the risk of lending above uh, a certain amount. It's usually about 80% to a borrower, uh, and then that's quite often passed on to that borrower to cover, that, um, to cover their, their insurance that they've had to take out. So when I mentioned that 80% um, borrowing, that's actually what we refer to as LVR, which is the next um, terminology. So LVR is loan to value ratio. Mm -hmm. um, and as it states, it's the um, loan taken out um, to buy a property measured against the value of the property. So for instance, um, you might borrow 80% um, of the value of the property in order to purchase, and therefore you've got 20% plus the stamp duty and legal costs on top of that as well. Negative gearing, which is a common one, particularly for from an investment property point of view. So gearing itself is a form of leverage where an investor borrows money to purchase a property. So negative gearing um, occurs when the cost of owning that investment property exceeds the rental return that you receive. So the other option or the other way to look at it too is you can have it positively geared. So if the rental income covers the cost of owning it um, and some, then it's positive. If it covers it exactly, then it's called being neutrally geared. Um, OFP, which quite you might often see in a um, uh, on a floor plan or in the the text around the description of a property that might be for sale, um, is for open fireplace. Uh, a passing, which you quite often see, and we're starting to see a little bit more often now in the um, in the auction market, is when the bidding at an auction doesn't reach the vendor's reserve price. 
Um, sometimes it will a prop and the, the property is then passed in. So sometimes that will pass in on a genuine bid, short of the vendor's reserve. Other times it might pass in on a vendor bid, and I'll get to those topics and um, those words in a minute. Reserve price, as I just said, then well that is the price at which the vendor is prepared to sell. So if it's a um, million dollars, we fall short of that, then the property might pass in. If we if the bidding gets to the million dollars, it hits the reserve price, it's declared on the market for sale, and then anything over and above that um, is uh, a bonus for the vendor. ROW, which again you'll see on a quite a number of floor plans and in ad copy, um, that stands for right of way, which is a legal right of access to a property. It's quite common, particularly in, in inner city Melbourne uh, with the rear laneways, that type of thing that are around some of the terraces in the inner, inner suburbs, um, that's referred to as a, as a right of way. Stamp duty, which is a um, typically a state or territory government tax, which is levied on a purchaser, um, and it's payable not just on property, but quite on, on cars and things as well. Now, another one that you'll see um, in the text um, in a sales campaign is STCA, which stands for subject to council approval, and it's quite often listed after options are suggested for things that, that could potentially be done to the property. So... Um, it might suggest that you could redevelop the property or you could put townhouses on the property or put a new dwelling on or knock the existing house down or renovate it, STCA, which is then meaning that you can do these things, but you will need to seek approval from the local council. And that might be from a planning perspective, from a building perspective, um, those types of, um, of things need will need to be considered. An underbidder, well, that's a person, unfortunately, who's been um, unsuccessful at an auction and has come in at second place to the eventual purchaser. No one likes to be an underbidder. However, it's uh, it's a fact of life when it comes to uh, to buying at auction. Um, and then a vendor bid, which I mentioned earlier, um, is a bid that's placed by an auctioneer on behalf of the vendor. And it, it's typically to set a baseline from where they would like to start the auction and from where they would like bidding to start. Um, so they, they, don't they don't want to be considering anything below that and anything above that um, will commence things. And if it doesn't go any further, then it'll pass in. But hopefully that will start to generate more bidding and, and then hopefully reach the vendor's reserve price. Okay, so now let's have a, a quick look at a few uh, agent terminolo agents' terminology and, and things that um, always make us chuckle a little bit around the office. So when we hear agents talk about uh, a property having city glimpses, usually that means that if you stand on one leg, hop and tilt your head on a 45 degree angle and squint a little bit, you might see the city in the, the far, far distance. Um, it's never a really good sign that you're going to have stunning views if that's what you're looking for. Um, when a, a property or a room or something is referred to as being cosy, um, typically it means that it's tiny and you wouldn't be able to uh, fit uh, a couch, a TV or, or much into that room or, or property. So cosy's a, a nice way of saying that it's a property is quite small. Functional, well, typically functional means that it, um, you might be able to get some running water out of a tap, but generally it's in pretty bad condition or pretty basic condition and a significant amount of work's going to be done. As you'd expect, there's a number of different ways that agents use to, um, to say basically renovator's delight, which is another phrase obviously as well, or another one that we quite often see is property being in original condition, which means for a property that might be have been built in the, uh, the late 1800s, original condition is not a good sign. Um, another one that we really like is uh, when you when we might be at an auction um, and a, uh, someone's asking a, a an auctioneer, is the property on the market yet? And the response is, well, if you give me another bid, I'll tell you. And 
more often than not, that means um, we're not even close, but I'm just trying to extract another bit out of you um, so that I can we can push things along and, and hopefully sell it to the other person because you're starting to frustrate me. Um, th- this one always um, cracks me up because we hear regularly agents saying, oh, this one, this property would make a great investment. I don't think I've ever heard a real estate agent say, um, this, is, this is a poor investment, don't buy this property. Uh, so everything's a great investment. Um, this one is also something that um, it's the terminology that you've got to be really careful around. So it might be, it's more often in a private sale or even leading up to an auction um, that we've received an offer. And it's used to try and cause a bit of chaos and, and create a bit of fear of missing out um, to a buyer. Because just because they've received an offer doesn't mean that that offer is necessarily going to be at an acceptable level. So it, it requires a bit more pushing and pressing to determine whether or not you do need to start to move quickly or whether or not, no, it's just trying to gauge whether or not you actually do have any further interest in the property. Um, another good one is when an agent steps forward and says the vendor is prepared to meet the market. Um they'll be prepared to meet the market on their terms, not on the buyer's terms. Uh, so it's an always a, a, a very entertaining comment that's made. Um, a versatile floor plan means that it needs to basically be uh, scrapped and start again because it's all over the place and um, it's not going to work for any number of different uses. So uh, don't expect that you're going to be able to have something that's fairly conventional. Um, another good one is when uh, an auctioneer comes back from a, uh, a half-time break at an auction where they haven't, the, the, the bidding might be um, in the middle of the quote price or not quite ticking along as much as they would like it to be. Um, and they come out um, with all the momentum in the world and clap their hands and say, well, ladies and gentlemen, we're very close to the vendor's reserve. No, we're not. We're a long way off, but I just need you to bid so that we can actually get some activity going here and, and hopefully get a, a little bit closer to bridging the gap as to what my vendor's expectations are. Uh, and the last one, which Richard Wakeland put forward to me, um, which is one of the banes of his existence and frustrates him quite regularly, is the worst house on the best street. Um, now, that can be a good one, as we we in the office will always uh, agree. However, it can also be legitimately that and not worth pursuing because worst house on the best street could mean that it's um, a very awkward site. It's a it's the the housing style is not in keeping with the rest of the street. It's been bastardised. Any number of different things. It's not necessarily just that it hasn't been looked after and it's in poor condition, but it's got all the attributes that everything else in the street has. Um, it might be that it's on the corner of a main road, whereas everything else in the street is um, is set back and is nice and quiet. So it's a it's a frustrating one, but it's one that comes up quite regularly in uh, in real estate uh, circles and terminology. Anyway, so that's about it for episode 29 of the Rewarding Property Decisions podcast. As always, feel free to uh, share the podcast far and wide with uh, friends and family, colleagues, and that sort of thing. If you would uh, like any further information, uh, please visit our website, wakeland.com.au, and obviously we wish you all the best with your property decisions. 